We're going to get into the message this morning, and uh, we're going to be uh, together talking about communion, uh, just like we will be doing in second service as we uh, celebrate our our children taking uh, first Holy Communion. Um, and and the, I, there's 22, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but 22 of them that are taking uh, first Holy Communion. And so for us together, as we get ready to take communion ourselves, you know, the word tells us, 2 Timothy 3.16, says that all scripture is God-breathed. You know, depending on the, the translation we look at, all, all scripture is inspired, but literally that word in the Greek speaks of it being God-breathed. How awesome is that? And it says that it's useful, another translation says profitable, uh, for all kinds of things, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So I, I say that, you know, on the front end of our message this morning, just to remind us that there's all different uh, approaches to bringing the message on a Sunday or a Wednesday or any other time. And, and I just want to sort of tee it up this morning that I want to go in a little bit more of a devotional direction this morning. And, and really simply what I mean by that is I want to invite you to be reflective. Uh, I don't necessarily want to barrel through a ton of material, but I, I would like to bring us back through some of the very foundational things about communion because the Lord gave us communion as something to be an anchor point uh, in our relationship, our walk with the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I have found, you know, I, I realize that habits are very, very important in our lives. Uh, and certain habits like brushing our teeth and, and things like that, we don't necessarily have to stop and say, now as I put the toothpaste on this toothbrush, oh, the health that's coming to my gums, hallelujah, you know, I caught the vision, I'm brushing my teeth, right? There's some things that doesn't really matter how much we hold on to the vision and the why behind it uh, in, in the day-to-day, -day, as long as we just got the good habit going, you know? But but when it comes to certain habits in our lives, we want to make sure we don't get so familiar that the habits lose the, uh, the oomph of what those habits are supposed to be in our lives. Can you say amen? And so it can be like that for communion. It could be something that just winds up becoming something that we do monthly. And, and uh, I, I want to just, you know, again, bring us back to uh, the, the, the why behind communion. And then what it can become for us is a monthly opportunity for us to take some inventory with the Lord so that our relationship with him stays fresh and vibrant and healthy the way he wants it to be. So, um, you know, when we look at the word communion, the dictionary definition <clears throat> is to be in a state, excuse me, <clears throat> praise you, Lord, <laughs> dairy bad, bad for Jimmy. Uh, to be in a state of intimate, heightened sensitivity and receptivity. In other words, uh, to commune is to open your heart, your mind, your spirit to God and to be aware of his presence. So let me hone in. We just talked about communion uh, involves intimacy. I want to hone in on the word intimate because I think in our modern culture, we, we might think of intimate more along the lines of, uh, of romantic, you know, intimacy, romantic, and, and just kind of sort of pigeonhole it into that, that understanding. Uh, but really the word in intimacy has a far broader understanding and actually it's meant to remind us that our Christianity is anchored in a relationship with Christ. Amen? I know I said that already, you know, on the front end introduction here, but this is what communion and intimacy reminds us. We know the word tells us the greatest command is to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. 
So uh, intimacy here in relationship, uh, what is intimacy? A close, familiar, usually affectionate, loving, personal relationship with another person, even with a group. People to say, I, 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 there's intimacy with my family. I'm close to my family. Man, there's intimacy in this work relationship. Man, we're a team. We trust each other. There's communication. It's healthy. There's intimacy. Come on, can you say amen? It's not just intimacy is husband and wife kind of a thing. It's, it's far beyond that. Uh, also intimacy, this is an interesting part of the definition, a close association with or detailed knowledge or deep understanding of a place. You know, a builder is intimately acquainted with the architectural plans. They know them well, right? You know, we, we can look at it and understand it from that perspective as well. Um, it, it's an actor expression serving as a token of familiarity or affection or something of the like. Um, so, uh, you, you know, as we're painting this picture, uh, uh, another aspect of intimacy, the, the quality of being comfortable warm or familiar. And I don't mean comfortable in a way like, hey, too comfortable. I mean comfortable by way of we know each other well, right? Have you ever gone to, maybe it's a wedding or some kind of a meeting and you don't see anybody you know, and then all of a sudden you see someone you know well, and you say, okay, I, I can be comfortable now because there's somebody that I have some level of, you know, familiarity and friendship and intimacy. So, uh, so to better understand the context of relationship here, so communion, intimacy, relationship, there's another key ingredient that we bring into communion when we relate to the Lord, because it isn't just familiarity and, and comfortable and, and all of these things. The Word of God tells us that one of the keys to our relationship with God uh, is fear of the Lord, right? And when we talk about fear of the Lord, again, probably most of us grasp this, but we're not talking about being afraid of God, terror that, that God's bad, God's going to get us, He's out to get us, anything like that. But no, instead, such a reverential awe is actually just a great synonym for fear of the Lord, reverential awe of God. You know, so we take that, this reverential awe. It's interesting, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting place to live in wisdom, for, for a life of wisdom. You know, so we've got this fear of the Lord, we've got intimacy, we're recognizing that the Lord is telling us that Christianity uh, is in its foundation and, and then must remain a relationship. And so uh, in all of this, we, we want to not get so complacent or familiar with communion that we lose all these elements, that we lose all these parts of it. Intimacy also has to do with uh, keeping it real. You know, letting the Lord behind the curtain, let, letting the Lord behind the walls and the masks and all the things that we as human beings can do. But just, just bringing ourselves to a, a transparency before him. And so I want to look at some of the purposes that the Lord gives us for communion. And these purposes will actually foster intimacy and relationship with the Lord. Before we do that, though, I just want to do a little bit of a checkup. Intimacy. You know, some of us might even just be uncomfortable with that whole word. But when it comes to the Lord, we want to make sure that we're not uncomfortable. So I, I, I have a, it's a resource, it's a tool that I use 
on somewhat of a regular basis to take a little pop quiz for myself to see where is my, my level of intimacy with the Lord? Uh, have I let it slip? Because how many know, uh, before we know it, we're doing life, you know, we might even be going to church, doing the stuff, serving in ministry, and not even fully aware that we're losing closeness, intimacy, transparency with the Lord. Come on, can you say amen? So let me just, just give a couple of things here that, that are good indicators. Now, we just got out of uh, a beautiful time of praise and worship. If your mind and mouth often switch to autopilot during praise and worship, you know, instead of just absolutely being fully engaged with the Lord, but we know the words, we know the song, you know, and, and we're just kind of on autopilot, you know, we're singing and we're thinking about the chores, we're thinking about what we have to get ready for tomorrow, thinking about what we want for lunch, God have mercy, right? You know, that, that's, that's, that's a, a little flag for us. Wait a minute, intimacy is, is not where, where it should be. The last time a specific prayer was answered, if it's a dim memory, we, we've lost some intimacy with the Lord. If we're feeling guilty or kind of squirmy uh, when others are telling us things about their times with God. How about this one? This is so subtle, but... Very, very telling. If we wonder where our joy has gone, that means we've lost because in his presence is fullness of joy, right? Uh, if we read our Bible and pray only because you feel obligated, that speaks to what I was saying earlier. You know, habits, you know, we're the sum of our habits. But if we're just, you know, it's only obligation and we're not meeting the Lord in those times, then, then we've lost intimacy. Um, if we're more critical of our church than coming to learn, coming to glean, then there's an intimacy issue with the Lord. So there's the solution to feeling grumbly toward our church is drawing closer to the Lord. And that could be anything, our church, our family, uh, the ministry we serve in, you know. Uh, I love this one. If happy, victorious Christians bug you. <laughs> You've probably heard me share that one before, but that's a good sign that we've lost intimacy with the Lord. You know, somebody's just saying, oh, I'm so happy, I so love Jesus, and we're going, mm, good for you. You know, and it just bugs us. You know, we've, we've lost intimacy with the Lord. Um, if we've, you know, if it's been a month or longer since we've lingered to pray or exert any kind of energy to meet God. We had such a sweet time on Wednesday night. Pastor James led us in, in, in the message Wednesday night. And, you know, he, he jumped right in on the front end. And he said, this is going to be very different. And he said, and the Lord actually changed everything up on me as I was preparing. And, and he just had some music in the background. And he was just working through some scriptures and then having us confess and declare. And then at the end, we had some time lingering at the altar, you know. And, uh, y y you know, it, it, was, it was a, you could, you could just tell that it was ministering to hearts. You know, and, and so, you know, it, it reminded me back to here, oh, those times even in our own devotion time, just lingering just to be with the Lord. You know, these are all things that can be little reminders. Again, not for, not for condemnation or anything, but just to point out to us, wait a minute, I've lost intimacy with the Lord. And at the end of the day, it's not only the foundation, it's the foundation that I have to stay anchored to is this closeness with the Lord. And how beautiful. That's why he gave us communion. Communion is an opportunity for us to just get really, really uh, close to him. Let me just mention a couple others here. Uh, if we rationalize less of a commitment to Christ, if we rationalize it, then we've lost some intimacy. And then if our moment-by-moment -moment decisions aren't governed by what would Jesus do? 
What would he have me do? What, what, what does the Lord have to say on this? If our moment by moment isn't governed by that, man, there's more room for intimacy. So how do we restore the intimacy, by the way? Well, just a couple of thoughts. We take personal responsibility to become intimate. How many know if, if we're going to be mature in Christ, we have to say nobody else's issue, nobody else's fault, but me. I have to make the decision. I have to own the responsibility to be, you know, close to the Lord. That's where it's got to start. And then um, we got to fight the war of good, better, and best. You know, and I got a lot of things going on in my life. I got a lot of good things going on in my life, but always going back to, but wait a minute, the best thing must never suffer for good or for better. And the best thing is that we keep the Lord anchored first place in, in our lives. Tracking so far, amen, church? All right, um, so those are just a, a couple of thoughts. Um, uh, know that when we pray God's word, we pray God's will. So pray and pray in his word. Uh, and then I think this is this, uh, two more uh, suggestions to watch for. Things that, that uh, y- you know, either we can move or step into to grow our intimacy. Um, avoid things that dull our spiritual sensitivity. You know, there's some things that, you know, might not be categorically sin. But if we honestly look at the place they have in our lives, they dull us spiritually. So we want to look at it, we want to call it what it is, and, and maybe it's a season of uh, taking a break from that, or maybe it's just, hey, this has got to be out of my life. Maybe it's, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm going to move this out of my life until you say I'm in a place, if and when, to have that back in my life. And, and then the last one I'll mention kind of moves along with it. If we are surrounded only by people who pull us away from the Lord spiritually, we got to do something about that. You know, we, uh, you, you know we, we may have people in our lives that uh, aren't choosing to run after God, and we can't choose for them. But what we can do is make sure that we surround ourselves with people that are going after, our, after God. I remember in all the years of youth ministry, a, a mentor early on said it, and then I realized this isn't just true for students, it's true for adults too. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right, because who we surround ourselves with, you know, is ultimately they're going to they're gonna pull us up and, and inspire us in the Lord, you know, or, you know, uh, could bring us to complacency. So, hey, all of this as we get ready for communion, right, not just a ceremony, but an opportunity for us to just pause corporately together. How beautiful to, to, to pause corporately together uh, and just seek God. So with that being said and done, uh, I want to now just run into some of the, the purposes scripturally that we have for communion. Uh, number one, it's a time of fellowship and friendship with the Lord. So it, it's to be a time of fellowship with Him and with each other. We're looking at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 31. And it says, for I received, so this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then it goes on to say in verse 27, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So, I mean, in God's eyes, it's no small ceremony here. This is, you know, coming into his holy presence 
Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Goes on to say in the word, that's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. You know, and so it was getting to the point, you know, the Corinthian church was a, was a real interesting church because on one side of the coin, they had such a, a touch of the Spirit of God and, and the, the gifts of, of Holy Spirit were in operation and, you, you know, just, just some, some real wonderful things. But then on the flip side, they had real real ugliness. They had some sin going on. There was a lot of divisiveness, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, going and having communion and and getting drunk, you know, or, um, uh, you know, not sharing, not understanding that it's a meal of fellowship in the Lord. And so they were really abusing it, you know, and so he's speaking to some of those harsh things, but also to us as well, that just, we don't come into this time here and just, just uh, blindly, uh, you know, take this. It's meant to be a time of, of reflecting with the Lord. So, so uh, James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's what communion is a time of. Uh, Jesus, you know, in what we just read here in Corinthians, uh, was enjoying a meal with his closest friends, and he wants to enjoy this time. It's a meal that he wants to enjoy with us as well. Uh, he enjoys being with you and me the same way that we desire being with close friends or dearly loved family. You know, sometimes folks just don't know how loved they are in the Lord. And we really need to be reminded sometimes just how much the Lord loves us. I heard such a sweet story. Uh, this is a young lady sharing her experience. Let me, let me read it to you. She said, I grew up knowing I was different and hated it. I was born with a cleft palate and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I must look to others. Uh, a little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. And they would ask, what happened to your lip? And I'd tell them uh, I'd fallen and cut it. It seemed to be more acceptable, acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have, you know, been born with this, this defect. And I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me or like me. But this, this woman goes on to share, then I entered Mrs. Leonard's second grade class. She goes on to say, Mrs. Leonard was round and pretty and fragrant with shining brown hair and warm, dark, smiling eyes. How many know just your countenance can be a blessing to someone else, right? Uh, everyone adored her, but no one loved her more than I did. And the time came for the annual hearing tests, and I could barely hear out of one ear and didn't want anyone to know. And the whisper test required each child to go to the door, turn sideways, and close one ear with a finger while the teacher whispered something from their desk, which the child repeated. Nobody checked how tightly the untested ear was covered, so I pretended to block mine. I was last, but I had wondered what Mrs. Leonard might say to me. I knew uh, they whispered things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? My time came, and I turned uh, my bad ear toward her, plugging up the other ear just enough to be able to hear. I waited, and then came the words, seven words that changed my life forever. Mrs. Leonard softly said, I wish you were my little girl. Man, she was, she was convinced that she wasn't loved. 
She was convinced she wasn't lovable until this teacher, full of love and a discerning heart, made sure this girl got communicated to her, you are so loved, loved like you are my child. God loves every one of us. And he doesn't say, I love you like my child. He says, you are my child and I love you. And I love you without condition, right? It's not, you know, because you have behaved a certain way, you get to be my child, right? The gospel message is we can't behave in a way good enough. That's why we need Jesus. But God loved us so that in Christ we could be made whole and we could be his kids. What a precious story to remind us. You know, there's so much uh, ugly in the world, you know, where we can sometimes forget just how wonderfully loved we are. And that's what we have. Uh, That's one of the things that we're to remember in this fellowship, in this friendship with the Lord, in communion time that we're so deeply loved. Number two, uh, for us to look at what what is the purpose of communion, it's a time to remember and reflect on what the Lord has done for us. Again, going back to all that Paul shared there in 1 Corinthians 11, if we go back to verse 24, it says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so every time we eat the bread, it reminds us of the terrible price of Jesus' broken body, you know, uh, both uh, on his way to the cross and on the cross, the terrible pain that he endured in the, in the shedding of his blood uh, to offer us wholeness and to offer us eternal life. It's an ongoing reminder of the great price that he paid, the great work that he did, what it was that was done for us. So uh, the blood flowed from him, him to pay the price for our sin so that we could be with him forever. And how many times has he forgiven us every time we we come into communion? It's, Lord, thank you that you just keep loving, keep forgiving, keep cleansing, keep growing me to look more and more like you, right? Uh, The next thing that we can get out of communion, how we doing? Everybody tracking so far? Amen? Uh, The third thing, it's now not only a time, this comes out of what we just spoke about. So, you know, we remember the great price that was uh, was paid and, and, and the great cost and what it's done for us. But then it's a time to believe and it's a time to appropriate. So because of what Jesus did in the breaking of his body, I can believe him for wholeness in my life in whatever way that I need wholeness to be made whole, right? You know, I mean, we could look at it this way. The Bible says we're a spirit as, you know, an eternal spirit. We have a soul, mind, intellect, emotions, and we live in a body, And we could be facing brokenness, spirit, soul, and body. And we can appropriate and believe, Jesus, because of what you did on the cross, I am believing you. I walk by faith and not by sight. And I receive afresh today what your work has done for me. Can you say amen? And the same thing with the blood, the the shedding of his blood has broken every chain. The word tells us, glory to God, sin no longer has dominion over us. 
It's no longer a tyrant. We're no longer shackled to sin. That sin is broken. And so we can, every time uh, that we come to take communion, wherever there is a need, appropriate uh, and believe God uh, for his moving, his blessing, his anointing, wherever there might be brokenness or, uh, or sin or, or the enemy trying to bring some kind of shackle or bondage back into our lives, we can say no in Jesus' name. All right, the last couple here. Number four, uh, communion is a time to be thankful. And uh, Luke 22, 17 uh, and 19, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. Then it goes on to say in verse 19, and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. So we remember that there's gratitude, there's thankfulness that ought to pour out of our lives uh, during communion time. Uh, there, there are things that maybe in our lives don't turn out as we hope, but there's many things that we can be grateful for. You know, my mom is dealing with some health challenges, and they're 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 fairly steep right now. And uh, she's she's a real trooper, and she's a real strong person. But I know there's some times where you know, she just gets a little down as she's you know trusting God and walking through. And we just recently had a time where <clears throat> we were uh, going into actually the the Wawa World Ministry Center. Can anybody say amen to get some Wawa ministry, you know? And there was a fella in there that was doubled over. He couldn't stand up. He was walking doubled over, you know? And I saw her eyes look over on him. <clears throat> and uh, first of all, she just melted with such compassion. And she said, oh, dear God, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your blessings in my life. Realizing that there is so much hardship, so much brokenness, you know, and not that we want to look at somebody else's hardship. It's not reveling. She was, she was full of compassion. But when we recognize, you, you know, uh, oh, I need to be thankful for everything I do have and not get into a point of frustration for whatever's being challenged in my life. And getting that will get me back to God will supply all of my needs. God is my healer. God is my deliverer, you know. Um, and, and so uh, staying in a posture of gratitude keeps us in a place where we count our many blessings. Come on, amen? Come on, amen? Yeah, I mean, the world is toxic, and we can stand against that toxic world by just being so grateful. And I love the story of a wise old farmer. There was a man out for a drive in the country, and he noticed a very unusual weather vane on the farmer's barn. And inscribed on the arrow were these words on the arrow of the weather vane. It said, God is love. And uh, uh, turning in at the gate, this, this fellow driving by, he asked the farmer, he had, happened to be standing there, what do you mean by that? Do you think God's love is changeable, that it veers about as the arrow turns in the wind? And the wise old farmer said, oh no, I'm, it means that whatever way the wind blows, God is still love. Oh, that's so good, right? Amen. Amen. And so a thankful attitude does so much for us and it helps us to guard against all things like selfishness, pride, lack of uh, satisfaction, you know, for wanting more. You know, we're in a very con consumer society. All that stuff can, can seep in. So gratitude, thankfulness, important part of communion. And then the next one, uh, it's a time of self-examination. Uh, so we read about that in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink the cup. So what a beautiful progression, right? We're, we're, we're in fellowship and friendship and communion with the Lord and, and we're reflecting on the, the great price that he paid and we're recognizing that because of that, that price he has made us whole and now we take time to examine. So Lord, am I walking out 
this relationship the way you're desiring for me to walk this thing out? Lord, is there anything, Holy Spirit, that, that's off track, anything that I need to get right and, and, and move in my life? Uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So, so we're to examine and reflect and work out our salvation. All right, and then the last one we'll look at here as we get ready to take communion uh, is it communion demonstrates our commitment and faithfulness to live for him. Verse 26 from 1 Corinthians there that we've been looking at. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we recognize here, Lord, you're coming back. Every time we take communion, we ought to remember you're coming back and Lord, I'm all in. Lord, sign me back up again. I'm all yours, right? That's a part of what we do in this time of communion. So feel free to open your communion now. Just remember you were created to know and have a relationship with God. And I, and I began this message reminding, you know, that, that all Scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable for all kinds of things. Every one of us as believers, part of the assembling of ourselves together is to constantly stir up and exhort the truths that we live out, that we walk in, that we know, uh, to, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That, that's all part of it. And this morning wanted it to be a fresh opportunity for us to remember, boy, uh, I'm winning in life if I keep the main thing the main thing. And what's the greatest of all? Love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and the, the Lord gave us two ordinances, you know, that the church is to walk out and live out. One is communion. The other is water baptism. Water baptism is to happen once as a testimony that we now belong to Christ. Communion tells us as often as you take. You know, and it's very precious when we take it together. It's, it's a vertical communion with the Lord, but it's also a horizontal communion with each other. But we can take communion in our home, just us and the Lord. We can take communion with our family as often as you take. It, it's a reminder of all of these things that we just looked at. You know, uh, I, I'm a firm believer that as believers... We need to keep a childlike faith in our mindset. Amen. We need to not allow ourselves to ever, ever get to a point where we say, well, I already know that. I've graduated past that. You know, there's milk and there's strong meat. I get that. I get all that side of it. And, 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 but but the, the meat is always based on the foundation. And we can never get away from it. And this story so beautifully illustrates that point. A widely known theologian from another country was visiting a seminary in the United States. So he's, you know, in the world of theology, uh, you know, professors and, and scholars, he's, he's a rock star, if I could word it that way for you. And during a question and answer session with a group of students, one of them nervously asked him, what is the greatest truth that ever crossed your mind? You know, how is he going to get wowed from this theology, this internationally known theology scholar, renowned? You know, I almost feel your chest puffing as you hear that, you know? What is this man? Everyone's waiting on the edge of his words. And he paused. Everyone paused. There was this silence. And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
man, what does it gain us if we amass all this other understanding, but it doesn't stay through the lens of this truth? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Church, that's communion every time we gather. Every time we choose to take communion, it's Jesus loves me. And then walking through all of this that we looked at here today. You know, if we want to uh, live a life where, where we're going from faith to faith and from glory to glory, keeping our communion fresh is, is something, a God-given tool that's going to keep us in that place. Amen? Is that the Lord? Is that the Lord calling in an amen? <laughs> amen. All right, so you got your communion ready? Why don't we go ahead now and let's just walk through even just, just kind of some of the things that we looked at here this morning. So, but Lord, first and foremost, we love you so much. And we thank you that you loved us first. And while we were enemies, while we were far from you, Jesus, you came and you died for us. We thank you that because of that, we have friendship, that we have fellowship. We thank you that you're our very best friend. And Lord, we also recognize that you're God of everything. And so we're in awe and we're in reverence of you. And Jesus, we pause to remember the great price that you paid in the shedding of your blood. Lord, I imagine for any of us who have seen the passion of the Christ, that's probably the closest visually that we in this era have ever come to seeing what you went through. And Lord, yet, yet we, we recognize that doesn't even begin to uh, scratch the surface on the price that you paid so that we could know you and so that we could be free from bondage. And Lord, this morning, wherever there's need in our lives, we're just so grateful. We're so in awe. We're so humbled. We're so full of love. And Lord, wherever there's need, brokenness, spirit, soul, mind, or body, we just receive by faith a fresh touch from you wherever it's needed in our lives. We call what's broken whole because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Lord, any place in our lives where there is bondage, where there is chains, where sin is trying to take dominion, we say no in the name of Jesus and we walk by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, with such gratitude, we examine ourselves. Let's, church, let's just take a, a moment to pause. Lord, is there anything out of sorts? Is there anything that we need to get rid of? Anything that we've been justifying? Anything that's in the blind spots? We just say, Holy Spirit, speak to us so that we could repent, get it out, get it right. Let's just give a moment to listen. Our eyes are on you, Lord, and even out of this communion today, would you keep our hearts soft for whatever way you would want to mold and sculpt and move and speak and lead and nudge so that it would be more of you and less of us. And so, Lord, as we partake this last thing here before we partake, Jesus, we know you're coming back. 
love you so much. All of this is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake, church. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Well, Father, as we close our service today, we just pray that you would help us take these things that we looked at. Lord, even as we looked at some of those signs of loss of intimacy, just continue to move in our hearts. Draw us close to you wherever there is distance. Work in the lives of us, your people, in this church family, online, here in the sanctuary. Let it be, Lord, in a, in a lasting way that we lean more into you. So God, thank you for your blessing on each one. Let there be blessing and favor over this next week as well. Lord, thank you. Let us be salt and light for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.